When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. This is a midweek Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. But before we get to our Hey Mary Kay questions from our Football Insider subscribers, we're going to talk about the news of the day for the Browns. Uh, apparently, it's just always something this week. And if you know, if I'm using that phrase, it's kind of always been something with this particular player we're about to talk about, and that's Perry and Winfrey who was arrested uh, in Texas in Harris County for uh, a misdemeanor assault charge. Uh, Mary Kay, you kind of reported this out a little bit. What what can you tell us about about this story right now with Perry on at about 440 on uh, Wednesday afternoon? Well, again, as you mentioned, uh, he was arrested in Texas and they called it assault dash family member, but it really was uh, a woman who he has been dating. And, um, and basically, according to the court records, uh, it had something to do with him, with him grabbing and pulling her uh, with his hand. So I, we don't know anything more than that. Uh, but they did, you know, see fit to arrest him. And now he is facing this misdemeanor charge. Now, uh, you know, we don't know where this is going to go. Of course, these guys always lawyer up. Um, the Browns have a tendency to get involved pretty quickly in these matters. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, a charge might get dropped or a charge might get knocked down to something else. Uh, but as of right now, uh, you know, he's in a little bit of legal hot water and they have to work through it. For their part, the Browns are gathering more information. They're going to have to talk to Perry on themselves. Somebody in the organization will speak with him about this. Uh, they'll talk to the you know authorities about this, and they'll find out as much information as they can. And if they're comfortable with what they find out, you know, then they'll move forward with Perry on. If they're not comfortable with what they find out, then. Uh, you know, there is a chance, I suppose, that, you know, they could start to think about parting ways with him. And one of the reasons why they might even consider that is the fact that, uh, you know, this is just sort of a latest in a line of incidents where, uh, you know, where Perion Winfrey maybe hasn't always been in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Uh, now, he didn't do a lot of, you know, bad things last year, but he did enough to get benched in the second game of the season for, you know, not being professional enough. And we don't know exactly how that manifested. Uh, but then he missed three other games later in the season, uh, one of which he was a healthy scratch. That's never a good sign. That's another disciplinary action. 
and then uh, one of them was because he missed two practices uh, before the Dolphins game with an illness. And then, and we have to talk about this, Dan, because I got to set the record straight on this. I set the record straight in my story. Don't know if you read it or not, but it's time. Uh, so the third game that he missed in that little three-game span was against the Bills in Detroit. The reason why he missed that is because he got a concussion from an accident midweek. Well, when I talked to him in November about the accident, I asked him what happened. It was just me and him one-on-one at the locker. And he said, it was no big deal. I was on my scooter. Um, and he looked, I think he said he looked back, uh, you know, to talk to someone and he hit a pole and, you know, hit his head and got this concussion. So, you know, again, I have to set the record straight on this because that's really not what happened. Uh, what really happened is he was driving in slick, snowy, icy conditions in Berea in the snow. And again, he's from Texas. I think he's from Texas. Um, and he didn't know how to drive in the snow and he lost control of the car. And I don't know if he, you know, hit the curb and then hit his head or, or he hit something and, uh, he did not hit another car, but you know, the car stopped abruptly. He hit his head and he got this concussion by not driving well in the snow. So that was just another situation where he sort of made up this scooter story when he really had trouble driving in the snow. And I think that was just another little red flag of maturity. And, you know, he's a likable guy when you talk to him. I mean, I, I really enjoyed that one-on-one interview that I had with him in November. He talked, you know, he's very smart. He talked a lot about, um, you know, just getting this whole thing turned around and not putting the narrative out there that this was the worst year of his life, like he had tweeted originally and uh, how he vowed that he was going to, you know, be mature and do all the right things. Um, so having this crop up right now, when all these guys are headed back into town for the start of the off-season program on Monday, it just doesn't bode well for the way he's starting off the 2023 season. Yeah, and I, I mean, you kind of went through the laundry list of, of things there w- with him. And, you know, just to add to it, Chris Kiffin, uh, when, when we asked about Perrion at one point, had mentioned that uh, when, when Perrion basically said something along the lines of when Perrion decides to put in a full week's work. It's a good week. Um, so that kind of Ray Chris was never afraid to, to kind of say what was on his mind. So um, that kind of raised some questions about Perrion and, and what he was doing during the week leading up to games uh, as well. And, you know, again, like I said off the top, like at some point, and we don't know, obviously we don't know all the details of the situation. So I don't want to, I don't want to minimize it into just the basket of everything else, but at some point it does come down to there's like there's just always something with certain guys and this was a fourth round pick i mean i have his contract up here it's not going to cost you much money to move on from him at all i mean we're talking you know 100,000 bucks <laughs> not 100 but we're talking hundreds of thousands this is not like this is a fourth round pick contract it's not that big and the other part of it is this is not I mean, this isn't a player that you've exactly given a vote of confidence to with the moves you've made this offseason. They've really been throwing bodies at that defensive tackle position. He was going to have to fight for his job to begin with. Um, he he did not have a, a very strong rookie year. So a lot of this is pointing to if the Browns want to move on, it's pretty easy for them to do it. 
Yeah, it would be pretty easy for them to do it. And I would have to think that they are getting to the point, depending on what they find in this situation, that they are getting to the point where they are going to at least consider it. Does it mean they'll do something today or tomorrow? Maybe not. Maybe they'll let him, uh, maybe they'll let him come into the offseason program and see what he's got this year. Maybe they'll let him come in and try to prove to Jim Schwartz that he's a different player than he was last season. He started to pick it up at the end of last year. He had 17 of his 22 tackles in the final six games. He started to kind of put a little bit more effort in. Uh, Miles Garrett, who has kind of tried to help mentor him, uh, you know, said that, you know, he's, he seemed like he was making some strides, but Miles admitted readily that he's got to show more. He's got to do more. And, um, so it was, you know, the the spotlight was on him to come in this season and really prove that he could be part of that rotation inside at that defensive tackle position. He certainly has the talent. Uh, and now he's got Dalvin Tomlinson next to him, which I thought I thought Dalvin Tomlinson would be really, really good for him. And I still think that. But is he going to get the chance or is he going to, you know, put himself in a situation where, uh, he messes up the first job of his NFL career. And you don't want to see that happen. I mean, you just don't want to see that happen. We all remember what Perion was like the very day that he was drafted and the wild interview uh, that he delivered on that day. And I went back and I, I read some of those quotes again today about, you know, just how he was going to tear it up and do so many things and, uh, and that he was going to turn any of his negatives into a positive. And I really feel like in his heart of hearts, that wasn't, that's what he wants to do. I feel like that's what he wants to do. Um, but he's just not there yet. And he might be one of those players where, you know, you've got to take a really global comprehensive look at how to help him. Right. I mean, there are some guys that, and I'm not going to say he's in this category, but some guys, you know, some guys are ADHD and you got to figure that out before they can really take that next step up. You know, some guys, you know, have other, other things like that, uh, that, that go on. I, I, like I said, I'm not diagnosing him. I have no idea if that has anything to do with him. I'm just saying that it, if they are going to keep him, they have to do a comprehensive, uh, you know, look at everything going on with him and make sure that they have all the ducks in a row so that he can be successful. Now, do they want to do that? Do they want to put the time in or are they getting to the point where, you know, the production, you know, maybe they don't know that the production is going to be worth the, the drama that seems to come along with it. Uh, so this is something that they're going to have to try to figure out. Um, but I think you can agree with me on this. There's something very likable about Perrion Winfrey amid some of the craziness. Like he's, you know, he's, he's got some personality to him and he seems genuine and he seems like he's really trying. And I, I do think that he has redeeming qualities, but like, he's really got to pull it together. Yeah. Any interaction I've had with him has been positive. Um, not, uh, I haven't had a ton, but you know, after the, that benching early in the season, he did a, a really, a really good interview with us. He didn't get into details about it, but I thought he took ownership of it and, you know, took the time to talk to the scrum of reporters. Um, I've talked to him after games before and he's, you know, he's, he's fine, but it's just, you know, a lot of that just stuff just doesn't make up for um, at some of this off field stuff and the distractions that, that come with him, especially if the production just isn't on the field. And we should also mention too, um, 
that there is a protective order in place now as a result of this. Um, you know, I don't know how this works with him being able to, if he can come to Cleveland next week or if he's got to stay in Texas. I, I don't know all the details of that. Um, but yeah, this, this is a dicey situation, right? Like when you said, right, when these players are supposed to be reporting back and this is, this is an important off season for a guy like him. And it seems like to some degree, at least he's going to miss out on, on all, on some of that. Yeah. It's um, you know, like you said, it's, you know, it's something that they really are going to have to dig into and see if they have any kind of a comfort level with moving forward with him or if they, if they cut bait and they could do that. And as you mentioned, um, they, did go out and get some bodies to put in there, not just Dalvin Tomlinson, but they also signed two free agents that, uh, you know, that I've been told several times, they're just not throwaway guys. They're guys that they feel like can be part of their rotation in Maurice Hurst and Tristan Hill. So, you know, when you've got that kind of competition going on, you have to be on top of everything. You've got to be on top of your game and you have to be proving that you're ready to be a professional NFL player, which is what Miles Garrett said uh, after that first benching that Perrion really needed to do. Yeah, I, I had forgotten about that. But to go along with the, the Chris Kiffin comments, it, it won't, you know, Miles Garrett was very <laughs> forthcoming in, in talking about Perry and Winfrey and, and his thoughts. Okay, so let's move on. Um, let's do some Hey, Mary Kay questions. These came from our Football Insider subscribers. And let's start with the topic of the day from yesterday, and that is Greg Newsom in the cornerback position. Jamie from Bethany, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay. Do you think Jim Schwartz's plan for the Browns' top three corners, who all prefer to play outside, involves each of them mostly in man, maybe shadowing one of the opponent's top three wide receivers, and the corner who ends up inside varies from play to play, depending on which receiver lines up in the slot on any given down? Could that be a way to keep everyone happy and productive? It, it could very well be. I mean, I, you know, I do think that they, they have obviously the horses to play a lot of man and you're up, you're obviously going to be playing a lot of three wides and four wides. And that could be a way to go about it. You put Greg Newsom on the, on the fast speedy receiver and, um, and, you know, if that receiver happens to play, you know, line up in the slot, then he's in the slot. I mean, there, there are a lot of different ways that you could go about this, depending on how Jim Schwartz plans to run that defense. And I'm actually looking forward to talking to him about this because, you know, it is a topic of conversation and he's not going to give away the keys to the castle. But he does what he does have is a very talented and diverse group in the back end. And you can do so many things with those guys. You can you know, you can play one Thornhill at, at a big cornerback spot if you need to. Um, you know, you could maybe play um, Martin Emerson at safety if you had to. You can do so many things with these guys. And and so I think that um, I think that Jim Schwartz has a ton to work with. And I, I do think that he will be able to find a way uh, to give everybody job descriptions that they like. This is a a good question because we talked about this yesterday um, when Greg did his uh, did a not his end of season presser, but it was a presser during the season. And and we were asking him about if he liked playing the slot. One of the things he said is he would he wouldn't mind if it were more matchup based. So he wasn't as definitive as he was on Twitter when he said N.O. in capital letters. But when, when he talked at the end of the season, and of course, this was before Joe Woods was fired, he said that. Um, playing in the slot is something he would 
kind of what our texture is getting at. Like if it were more matchup based, like, Hey, we're going to have you follow around Jamar chase. And if Jamar lines up in the slot, you're going to line up in the slot. That's that sounded kind of like what he was getting at when we talked to him at that particular time. And I do wonder if that's a way to make sure everybody's happy. And, you know, you could do something with, you know, Martin Emerson, there's a type of receiver that he matches up best with, you know, like a big physical receiver, like Mike Evans, maybe you'd rather have him against something like that than having to try and chase Jamar chase around. So I, I think there is a way Schwartz could do it. And, and this is an interesting proposal from our texter. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, just again, the matchups, and I wrote that in, in my column today. I mean, you could do it based on, a, you know, a rotation of playing time, um, you know, where you just give a certain amount of snaps and you rotate those guys in and give, keep guys fresh. Um, you could do it based on, uh, you know, man-to-man matchups. And like you said, give Martin Emerson, the, the big guy, the Mike Evans guy, give, uh, give Greg Newsom the Odell Beckham juniors of the world a little bit. Right. I mean, there's, there's so many different ways that, that you could go about this. You could play. I'm sure they're going to have a mix of man and zone. We'll find out a little bit more about that as we go along, but uh, you know, between injuries and uh, matchups and rotations and all the other things that you can do. I do think that uh, Jim Schwartz will find a way uh, you know, he wants his stars to be happy. That's one thing about Jim Schwartz. He understands that if you get those guys on your side, then everything sort of flows from there. You've got to get those star veterans buying into your program. And sometimes when you have a reason to have to bond over something, you know, then you end up with one of your best leaders on the football team. I've seen that happen before where you start out with where, where a guy has an issue and he turns out to be one of your right hand men. And I could see that happening in this situation. Okay, another question about Greg Newsom. This comes from Greg in Indianapolis. Hey, Mary Kay, I still feel there's more to come on Greg Newsom. I don't feel like you change agents in the middle of a contract for no reason. Even if he wants to be here, could he be used as a trade piece to move up in the draft? So kind of two prongs here to this question. The first being, could there still be more to come on the Greg Newsom front? And the second being, could the Browns just decide, hey, let's use this guy and trade him now? Well, you know, they have no plans to trade Greg Newsom, and he hasn't asked to be traded. So I don't see that happening. I don't see a draft weekend trade of Greg Newsom. Uh, Right now, I'm just not feeling that. I don't think that Drew Rosenhaus would come out and say he's happy being a Brown. He's ready to do what Jim Schwartz asks in this defense. I, I don't think that they would come out and say that if the next thing coming down the pike is, yeah, he's going to ask to be traded. Now that doesn't mean that he hasn't contemplated it or pondered it. Uh, You know, cornerbacks want to play outside. That's where that you make the money. That's where you make the pro bowls. You know, we can't honestly say that he hasn't, the thought hasn't crossed his mind, but he hasn't asked for that to happen. And the Browns have no plans to do it. It's really hard to find three starting caliber cornerbacks, the way that they have found their guys. And, um, Andrew Barry loves his defensive backs. He's not about to trade one of those guys away. Uh, They are on the brink of what they believe is, you know, a championship caliber football team. And they're, they're not about to break that up. Okay. This isn't a Greg Newsom question, but it is a a question about a former defensive back who came up on our Tuesday podcast. When we talked about Greg Newsom, this comes from Anthony in Columbus uh, and it's about Joe Hayden. Hey, Mary Kay. Yesterday, you compared Greg Newsom to Joe Hayden, given that Joe played for both the Browns and the Steelers, but retired as a Brown. What do you think his legacy is in Cleveland? 
you know, I mean, I really do think that he is one of the, you know, the best players the Browns have had in the new era. And, um, and, you know, I don't necessarily know if he'll end up in the ring of honor or anything like that. Um, but you know, he's a pro bowl cornerback. That's hard to find. He started right away as a rookie, did a nice job. Uh, and I think he will go down in, you know, in history here as one of the best cornerbacks to, you know, to play for the Browns. And when you think about the the top cornerbacks, the Hanford Dixons and the Frank Minifields, and I think, I think Joe Hayden's name will be right up there. And I thought it was good that he got to come back to Cleveland and do a final press conference and retire as a member of the Browns. I think that brought closure to sort of what was a, what was a really bad ending in Cleveland. Um, not because of anything he did, but just the way it ended and then him going to the Steelers. I think there was a bad taste in, in a lot of people's mouths uh, for different reasons. And so I think him being able to come back and retire as a Brown and do that press conference and kind of reiterate his love for the city and, and all of that. I, I think that was, I, I think that was a nice piece of closure to the Joe Hayden story uh, as a Brown. Yeah, I think so too. And you know what? Joe Hayden was so beloved here by the fans and he loved being here. And that's why I compared Greg Newsom to him in some ways, because Greg is sort of that man about town, loves to be out amongst the fans, loves to kind of be at the Cavs games and be seen and all that kind of stuff. He reminds me a lot of Joe Hayden in that way. And Joe should never end his career in Cleveland on a bad note. It shouldn't be that way. And I'm really glad that they flipped the script on that. He should be part of the Cleveland community. He should be able to come back and help the Cleveland Browns in any way that they need. He should be a face and voice of the franchise. He should be celebrating Joe Thomas going into the Hall of Fame and all those cool things. And so they did get this right. And that's important. And I think when a good when you have a good organization that is functioning well, you get the little things right. We talk about this a lot, actually, right? A good organization gets the little things right. And, you know, treating Joe Hayden and, and getting that thing flipped around so that, you know, so that he's a, a valued member of the organization, that stuff's important. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's been one of the things this organization has struggled with and still struggles with uh, at times is getting those little things right. But every now and again, something like that comes along and it's like, all right, see, it's, that's, that's the sort of thing that you do uh, for your former players. That sends a good message. To, uh, to everybody. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got questions about the draft, questions about Kevin Stefanski, and more from our Football Insider subscribers on this Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. All these questions coming from our Football Insider subscribers uh, who are subscribed to our texting service, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info about that and get signed up. You get the texts, you get the newsletter every day, and you get access to those stories on cleveland.com slash Browns that are behind the paywall. So we'll start here. Uh, a couple Kevin Stefanski-ish questions. The first one, Mark Shields from Olmstead Township. Hey, Mary Kay, 
How soon will we know if Kevin Stefanski is in trouble this season? How long of a leash does he have? Well, if the wheels are coming off, you know, certainly that will be evident. I don't expect that to happen, but I mean, you can tell when there's a runaway train going on on a football team. If, if, if they're not winning games, if they're not beating the teams that they're supposed to be beating, if they're not, uh, you know, shutting down certain offenses that they should be shutting down, if they're not outscoring teams that they should be beating by large margins, uh, you know, then, then I think the Haslam's will start to grow impatient. And that was one of my biggest takeaways from the owners meetings that even though Jimmy Haslam did not deliver an ultimatum, up to Kevin Stefanski or to this football team about making the playoffs, that is the expectation. That is absolutely 100% the expectation for this football team. And the only way there's going to be peace if it doesn't happen is if it was because of some extenuating circumstance, like a major injury to a key player or they just narrowly missed it at the end or tiebreakers or something like that. Uh, but there are not going to be a whole lot of excuses for them not to make the playoffs this year. Yeah. I mean, this is year four and I mean, they've, they have yet to finish better than third in the division under this regime. I mean, actually going all the way back to 2007, um, that's the last time they finished better than third in the division um, that that playoff win was fun and, and great, but it was also, a little bit, a little while ago now. You can only kind of carry so much equity over from that uh, at, at this point. I don't think Kevin necessarily is like that either, where he's sitting here saying, well, I want a playoff game back in 2020. I think he knows what the expectations are, and I think he's thinking bigger than just beating Pittsburgh in a playoff game. But, um, you know, it's it's not unfair to have high expectations here because this is, like, it's year four. You're going to have your quarterback Like everything's in place. Expectations should be high and there should be some consequences if you fall well, well short of those expectations. Yeah. And I mean, when, when you go out and you get a quarterback for $230 million fully guaranteed over five years, uh, you know, you know what the expectations are. It's, you don't, you know, this is not a mystery. Everybody knows what's expected and everybody knows what Deshaun is capable of. So if he's not living up to his capabilities, then, you know, then they are going to point to Kevin Stefanski and they are going to point to that offensive staff to see what's going wrong. And when you have already uh, replaced two of your three coordinators, when you're heading into your, you know, fourth season of the regime, then, you know, it, it, it really goes to show you that, things are not on track or haven't been. So they really, really need to, they need to start strong. They need to stay strong and they need to make the playoffs this year. Uh, And again, even though there isn't a formal formal or else on this, there's something sort of like that sort of permeating the air. Okay. So this question comes from a, this is weird. I did not expect this. It comes from a John Lobby in Akron, Ohio. There's another Mm. lobby. There are a lot of like lobbies in kind of the Akron Canton area and some I'm related to some, I don't think I am. So this is a, this is a John lobby, which actually was also my dad's name, but spelled differently. So this is just all sorts of weird. John lobby from Akron, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, what role will Bill Musgrave play in the Browns offense? Do you think he can help with making in-game offensive adjustments? You know, heading in, uh, it's almost, you know, like he is playing that classic 
traditional senior offensive assistant role where when they gave the quarterback's coach job back to Alex Van Pelt, in addition to Alex being offensive coordinator, he's really got control over these quarterbacks. So he's going to be working very, very closely with Deshaun Watson. And if you want to be that detailed with him and really dig in with him, then you kind of need somebody else to be overseeing the process. And that's what Bill Musgrave's role is going to be. When Kevin Stefanski can't necessarily be running a meeting or setting up a meeting or whatever, um, and Alex Van Pelt is focusing a little bit more on the quarterbacks, then Bill Musgrave can, you know, run some of those offensive meetings and kind of oversee the process. He's done, he's done it many times before. He knows how to do that role and that job. So he will kind of be Alex Van Pelt's eyes and ears when Alex can't be sort of running the show administratively on that side of the ball. And and Kevin seems to like having veteran coaches around mm-hmm. um, to lean on and, and put in, in some of those roles. You know, Bill Callahan obviously was a big one. Stump Mitchell, who he's kept around. Um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the coach he brought with him from, from Minnesota. Kevin Rogers. Yes, Kevin Rogers, Kevin Rogers uh, a veteran coach who who doesn't really have like a specific position title, but he's – you know, sort of in a, a similar role as, as Bill Musgrave. Kevin seems to really value, as, as much as he likes to develop young coaches, he seems to really value having, you know, some veteran older coaches that have seen some things around as well. Absolutely. He loves having guys with all that institutional knowledge um, and just real experts in their field. And now you really have that uh, with Jim Schwartz on his side of the ball. So you don't really have to necessarily worry about that too much. He's been a coordinator for 14 years, a head coach for five years. On the offensive side of the ball, Kevin knows and understands that he is now only heading into his fifth season overall ever of calling plays. And Alex Van Pelt has only called plays for one season. So it's not like you've got this, you know, these long-time veteran play callers. So I do think he's going to bring a perspective that they just don't have. And he's also been in the college game very recently. So I think that's important too. I mean, there's so many college concepts filtering up into the NFL. He's on the cutting edge of all of that, even though he's been around for a long time. He's fresh off the college game. So I think those things are important. And he just knows everything about offense. He knows everything about different kinds of offenses. Uh, he's worked with all different kinds of really great quarterbacks. And um, and I think he's going to be a tremendous asset to this football team this year. All right. Shout out to all the lobbies out there. <laughs> Good for you. If, if someone else would have been hosting this podcast, it would have been pronounced Laby or Labby or something. But no. I've, I've got you. Shout out, shout out to all of you out there who are listening to this podcast. Uh, last question here. This comes from Terry Stevens in Middletown, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, I swore after the last two years to never again buy into the offseason hype about the Browns, but it seems to me that they have done a lot of good things with the roster, especially pertaining to depth. Talk me off the ledge. Is this defense good enough to compete against the powerful clubs in the AFC and the Browns' own division? 
Well, you know, let me just speak about the whole team first before the defense. I mean, I think the reason why people can buy in this season is because Deshaun Watson's about to play 17 games this coming season. And that makes a huge difference. When you know you have a quarterback like that, it changes everything. You know, people keep thinking, oh, well, you know, why, why should the Browns be any good this year when they were 7 and 10 last year? Because Deshaun Watson is is going to be starting fresh, not leaving the team for 11 games, not serving an 11-game suspension, not going through everything that he went through last year. So, you know, he, he's. I think he's going to hit the ground running. I think he's going to be ready. Uh, I think the Browns are going to be ready to help him get off to a strong start. So that's the, the first and foremost reason why people should probably go ahead and get excited about this football team. But then defensively, I think it is going to be a little bit of work in progress. I can't honestly say that I think they're going to be playing great team defense right from the start and that they're going to be a juggernaut and that they're going to remind us exactly of those great Pittsburgh Steelers defenses. I I can't say that. I don't know that. Uh, I think there are still a lot of question marks on this defense. I really do. Um, There are some areas that, you know, that we know are solid and strong. Uh, but there are still some that we don't know enough about. I still think they need another good, solid defensive tackle. I still think they need another edge rusher, maybe even another number three edge rusher while Alex Wright learns his craft. Uh, we have to, They have to hope that all of their linebackers really are, in fact, healthy enough to start the season and make a big, huge contribution. Uh, then in the secondary, you know, there, there are some of those issues. You know, you got to integrate Juan Thornhill into the program. You've got to, um, you know, make sure that you figure out a way to use all the, the cornerbacks in the right way. Jim Schwartz is implementing new terminology, new scheme, right? So I don't necessarily, you know, I can't promise anybody that it's going to look like clockwork in the first four games of the season. I think it might take a little while. Yeah, I think, but I think, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head there with the Deshaun thing. Like you hopefully have a quarterback who can go toe to toe with any other quarterback. And that's, that's what matters, especially with the way the AFC is, is stacked. And if you get to the playoffs, you got to go through some combination of Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. And, you know, who, Trevor Lawrence is, is certainly, you know, on the up and up. I, I just think there's, the fact that you have a quarterback is the game changer in all of this. And it's, it's what you lacked in all those other off seasons when fans wanted to hang the off season champion banners. The fact that all of this is kind of being built around a quarterback that, you know, the only, the only thing that has to happen is that quarterback needs to look like he did two years ago. So that's, I mean, that's where the hope is. And if that happens, then you, you certainly have a chance. We don't need to pull you off the ledge. You're, you're, do it. You, you should be excited about this team if Deshaun Watson looks like Deshaun Watson again. And, you know, I mean, it, it's hard for me to believe that he's not that quarterback anymore. Like what could have possibly happened in those two years, uh, except for all of the off the field stuff? And you know, if that has impacted him so much that he's not the player that he was before, um, if not for that, you know, he should still be that player. And they have seen it. They have seen flashes of it. I've asked Kevin Stefanski this numerous times. What makes you believe that he's that guy? And he said, because I've seen it. I've seen it. You know, they've seen it, you know, in in Washington this year. They've seen other flashes of it. And, you know, this was when they didn't really have their mojo down. They didn't have an offense that was completely 100% tailored to him. They didn't have the 
you know, that that learning curve with him where they knew what to throw out of the playbook and what to keep in the playbook and all that stuff. So, you know, I think they'll have that this year. And I think he'll he'll continue to work hard with his receivers throughout the whole entire offseason. He's been doing that in Houston already this whole offseason. And um, I think that that those guys are going to be, you know, ready to roll and uh, it should look a lot better. Okay, there we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Those questions, like I said, came from our Football Insider subscribers. One more time, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page uh, to get info on that and get yourself signed up. And also just make sure you're subscribed to our podcast uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. On Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. Say nice things about us. We always love that. And also on Spotify, uh, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.